0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you from my studio in Dallas, Texas. On today's show, I welcome Josh Robbins. Josh is chief strategist for America's Best 401k and is disrupting an industry that affects tens of millions of Americans. The industry is the financial services industry, and his firm is on a quest to lower fees that can cost you up to 20 years of your future nest egg. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks
1: for having me. I appreciate it.
0: It's 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 absolutely my pleasure, Josh. Let's take a minute, though, if you don't mind, for the audience, and let's break it down like six year old on this stuff. What what is your definition of what a four hundred one k is?
1: Yeah, you know what? Look, the four hundred one k is simply a container, right? It's a receptacle. So a lot of people, you'll hear them say, "Hey, the four hundred one k is broken," or and and I always say, "Don't mistake the the suitcase for the contents." Right. So the 401k is simply a a receptacle. It's a vehicle that the government gives you to be able to contribute uh, in a tax efficient way. You know, every dollar you put in, you get a tax deduction for and that money grows without tax and you can take it out without uh, you take it out uh, and you pay tax at the back end. Uh, You can also do what's called a Roth 401k
0: -hmm.
1: where you can pay, choose to pay the tax up front, but then never pay tax again.
0: The one thing about it, Josh, is we can't get the time back. Right. So so if we're short and, and we're trying to make up for it, um, you know, it, it's one of those things, clearly with any investment strategy, and people really just need to get our – we need to get our hands around this concept, which is the earlier we start, the better off we are.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But how many people would you say, Josh, based on, on your firm's knowledge and expertise, how many people have 401Ks in America?
1: 90 million Americans. So 90 million Americans are using the 401k as their primary retirement vehicle. And that's, by the way, that's more than own a home, to give you an example.
0: It's interesting. I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah. And and I also didn't put the caveat of that's their primary retirement strategy is the 401k.
1: That's right. If you're looking for a more depressing statistic, 70% (laughs) of people have less than $1,000 saved for retirement.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, look. I, the whole purpose of the podcast is in conjunction with my new book, which is called "You Need More Money." It's the story of my brother in law. We lost him two years ago. He died at forty six. He left a wife and four kids with no health insurance, no life insurance, and a hundred bucks in a bank. And so that stat that you just gave, I mean i I have lived, I have lived the entire walk sure. of what happens when someone is in that is in that spot. And, uh, through the research of the book, you know, I was just trying to identify how do we purge the, you know, the story in our, in our lives. And it turns out you know, my research tells me that my brother-in-law wasn't, he wasn't unique. Sure. It's, it's yeah, everywhere.
1: No, that's, it's everywhere.
0: So I, I did pull some data on 401ks just to, so we can give the audience a little context. I'd love your, your opinion on, on how this plays out, but, um, the numbers of 401ks and, Remember, this is a Google search, right? You're the expert in the space. So you, you may have completely better numbers than this. Well, it's on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, people in their 20s, uh, average of sixteen thousand in a 401k. In their 30s, average of 41k. In their 50s, 117. And the average uh, dollar amount in a four hundred one k for someone in their sixties, basically in retirement, is one hundred and seventy two grand. What does your firm seek? Do you think those numbers are high? Are they low? Where, where? Where? What are the numbers? Yeah, you know what?
1: Those are those are averages. Um, what we find is that this is all about behavior, right? So this all comes down to the average is someone who's really not getting any coaching. So for the for the typical four hundred one k plan, the way that the four hundred one k plan has evolved over the past it's only been around since 1983, right? So 30 plus years, you've really seen um, a, what I'll just call a, a broker driven sales model, mm-hmm. right? Where some guy comes in, knows the business owner, went to college with him, or goes to church with him, sells him a plan that has egregious fees, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Yep. And then, uh, you know, eventually just goes away and they're not, they're just a broker. They're a salesperson. They're not really there to provide much guidance. In fact, the law doesn't allow them to provide investment advice. So they end up coming in once a quarter and they bring in some stale donuts and corral everybody into a room and give them a bunch of brochures that no one reads and no one's going to talk about their finances in front of their colleagues, right? So this is what you get in the 401k plan. So most people are just, you know, they're confused. They don't know. They're financially illiterate, which is, you know, it's okay. We all start out that way, but you got to learn. So the 401k in the way that it's been sold kind of facilitates more of the same, more of that ignorance where... Only the, the people who really take ownership and kind of are self-motivated are willing to put money in. But it's been shown, study after study has shown that if people get educated, it's not that they can't afford it. It's just that they don't understand it. They're not willing uh, because they don't understand it. So they're scared. And so they're if they're scared, they say, screw it. I'll just keep the money and spend it instead of save
0: it. Look, it's it when you put it into a perspective like that, yeah, I, I think I'm... I'm reasonably decent uh, money guy, even though I have a book called You Need More Money. I mean, it's not really like like it's like I'm a business guy, right? I mean, I started a company from zero trying to make something of myself. Um, but I didn't know what you just told me. I figured 401K has been around. In other words, look, I graduated college in 1991. They were only like six or seven years old when I graduated sure. college. Sure. And so it lends credence to the idea that it's this entirely made up to the benefit of Wall Street theory that's beginning to be out there, and it's what you guys are attacking with your firm.
1: That's 100% right. I mean, you have to understand, that for the first 30 years, okay, it took 30 years from 1983 to the end of 2012 for the government to force 401k providers to tell you, to disclose how much they were taking out of your account in fees. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, what other industry could you imagine this would ever fly in? Right? You walk into a clothing store and you put everything on the counter and they say, hey, don't worry about it. We'll just take it out of your account. How much is all this stuff? I mean, it just, it's, it's so backwards you know, that um, it's been amazing what they've been able to get away with.
0: So so you and your firm take it on head on. How many years ago did, did America's uh, best 401k start? Yeah,
1: 2012 is when mm-hmm. uh, the founder, a good gentleman by the name of Tom Zagainer, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, myself and my father, Tony Robbins, who you well know, um, he and I joined the firm as partners in 2014. Mm-hmm. Took a lot more active
0: role. And the intention was to... I mean, I look. I know you're in charge of this as chief strategist. You're in charge of the guerrilla marketing idea, which is: look, we're no, we're gonna, we're gonna throw this out onto the table for everybody to make their own decision. And what we, what you threw on the table was: let's look at these fees, guys. And what you found is the average 401k management fee is over three percent.
1: Oh, it's insane. So I mean, so what we found is I'll, I'll give you kind of the 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 impetus to this is that so Tony set out in 2009. We were out on the golf course. It was after the financial crisis. And he said, hey, this is insane what's happening. He actually watched a great documentary called The Inside Job. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. And it really you either finished that documentary and you either were severely depressed or really angry. (laughs) One of the two, right? Um, And he was angry and wanted to do something about it. And so he said, look, I've got access to some of the greatest financial minds in the world. um, And the ones I don't have, I could probably get. And he said, so I want to set out to answer the question, is the game still winnable? Right. For the average person is the game still winnable for the average person. So he interviewed everybody, you know, from Carl Icahn to Jack Bogle, founder of Vanguard, to, you know, Warren Buffett, to you name it, all the top financial minds in the world. And there was a common theme. And the common theme was, you know, if you want to really help the most Americans, the vast majority of Americans, small business America, um, which, by the way, 95 percent of of 401k plans are with small businesses that have Hmm. under 100 employees, Hmm. So what you're looking at, he said, you've got to to tackle the 401k. So he said, what do you mean by tackle the 401k? So, well, this is where the fees get nasty. And not only the fees are nasty, the performance is pretty nasty too, which we could talk about in more depth. So we just said, so Tony found this firm, America's Best 401k in our process. And it was a gentleman who really set out with what I would call a common sense value proposition that's just not so common. He said, you know what? What if we eliminate brokers? I mean, what are they doing in the transaction other than bird-dogging? What if we eliminate commissions? Don't take commissions out. What if we gave everybody access to institutional class shares that only cost a fraction of a percent, uh, no matter the size of the plan? Because what you see in the 401k space is they say, well, the big companies get great funds, and the small companies get crappy funds, so they penalize you for your choice of employer, right? So a combination of like a really common – and then, by the way, let's just – you know, not send people in and give them donuts and all that stuff costs a lot of money. Let's just make it super efficient and do it online and make use technology that it is the 21st century. And let's uh, let's figure out what what a model would look like if we pulled that off. And that's where it started. And now there's, you know, over uh, we're closing in on a little bit over 1500 companies that have transitioned over to America's best 401k and we're growing
0: like crazy. So, Josh, let me stay with it. Just again, reminding the audience like a six year old here, because let's just say crap and giggles that the performance and i want to get your numbers on it but let's just say the performance of the typical uh 401k is producing six percent a year let's just throw that as a number so we have a six percent annual return we have an inflation rate of three percent we have a fee structure of north of three percent yeah what's left right can can we do the math i mean we're screwed it didn't do anything that's right that's,
1: fees, and, and so let me let me just give so I'll give you a real life example of um, of some fees here just so you can get an idea. If you take two people, okay, let's just say they're both age thirty five, they both have one hundred thousand dollars in their retirement account. They're neighbors. They both have this, they get the same investment returns over time of eight percent, which is effectively what the S and P five hundred has done over time, right? So they both get they both get eight percent. One pays one percent in fees, while the other pays three percent in fees. Okay. The guy with 1% in fees, he's going to end up with uh, $761,000 in his account. The guy who got the same returns but paid 3% in fees is going to end up with $432,000. Mm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you're talking about double the amount of money. Jack Bogle, founder of Vanguard, says that excessive fees can take up to two-thirds of your future nest egg. So if you thought you would have a $1 million when you retire, you're only going to have you know, $300,000 when you retire. And you could have you've basically made someone else wealthy, right? Through fees, um, and you know, people you got to remember when you see all those names splashed on billboards and golf tournaments and blimps and stadiums, who's paying for that? You I'm, are the big brand name providers.
0: I'm just getting my hands around it. I mean, it really is. It it it's uh, it's so. What, what it's not so much the danger of it. That's not really that concerns me because I believe people. You know, caveat amtor right? But it's the secrecy that that this whole thing has been has been veiled with that really sort sure. of chaps my eye the most. you know. Oh,
1: sure. Well, you should say on a so on a daily basis, what are what we do is we help people uncover the fees because it's it's an archaeological expedition. Yes, OK, yes. no joke. So I mean, when when they finally were required in 2012, again, after 30 years of not being able to tell you how much you're not having to tell you by law, they finally said, OK, we're going to tell people. And they came out with these fee disclosure documents that are 30 to 50 pages long mm-hmm. and are opaque at best. Mm-hmm. right? So, And guess how many business owners we talked to have actually read or even seen their fee yeah, disclosure. I mean, it's right, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. negligible. Now, to be fair, I didn't read my closing documents when I bought a house <laughs> either. But I'm just telling you, these, these fee disclosures are, are opaque on purpose. And when you start digging, you'd be blown away at how they move money around from one pocket to the other, and how many people are getting kickbacks, mm-hmm. and how many people are have their hands in the pie that really don't need to have their hands in the pie. And all of those things uh, erode. At the end of the day, they erode your account. They erode your returns. Those are that's your money. You put it away. It's for you and your family. And I you know it's become a a feeding trough for brokers and commissions.
0: Boy, I'm I'm gonna. If my guy at Edward Jones, who has my kids' 403bs in it for the last twelve years, if 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 I start, if I let me just let me get my own personal opinion out, how do I find out what the fee structure of my kids' college 503bs are?
1: So those plans are going to require 403bs are a little bit different. 403bs, 403bs, yeah. Um, so I'll, ta- I'll let me talk about a 401k and then we'll chat about the 403b. So the 401k. Um, there's a fee disclosure document that, that you can get. If you're the business owner, um, you can call directly to the plan provider. Or if you're, the, if you're a participant, if you're an employee, you can call directly to your plan provider's customer service line. And you can say, whoever it is, maybe it's John Hancock or you know Nationwide, a lot of the big insurance companies are in this space. Yep. You can say, hey, send me a copy of the fee disclosure. Now, unfortunately, the employee version isn't as robust as the employer version. And there's really kind of, I'll just put them in two categories. There's the funds and the plan themselves, the mutual funds. A lot of those funds have expense ratios and management fees attached to them. Those are like one to one and a half percent typically. Now, by contrast, you can get those for 0.1%. Okay. So you can imagine how expensive those are. So the mm-hmm. mutual funds in the plan are very expensive. The second part are, are what they call contract fees or asset fees, where they just layer on arbitrary Fees on the entire plan. So you might pay one and a half percent on all your funds over here, another one and a half percent to the company over here for compensation, effectively. So now you're up in the two to three percent range um, when you start to add it all together. So, you know, there's this is there's this is a convoluted space and it's purposeful. So I would ask on your on the college accounts, it's very similar. What is the cost of the funds that you're in? What is the cost of the advisory fee for the broker? and then as the company itself is Edward Jones in this case making money off of the trades or the funds.
0: Mhm.
1: Right? So they they might be making money off selling you certain funds and getting kickbacks on those funds. And it, it's called pay to play and it's a uh, it's it's absolutely legal, but it's kind
0: of crazy. Totally. I I totally understand it, but when you guys started America's Best 401k, you had to tackle two prongs, though. Not only did you have to address the fee issue, but you then had to address the funds that your clients have access to. That's right. So so So, walk me through that process.
1: So this is very simple. So if if, when you go out to the the best investment professionals in the world, there's not a single one that will tell you that someone should try to beat the market or beat the index, right? Every major from, I mean, Warren Buffett says this in his shareholder letter, almost annually. Uh, John Bogle, founder of Vanguard, says, Invest in low cost index funds. Index, don't try to beat the S&P 500. Just own the S&P 500. Don't be a stock picker. You'll always fail. You
0: can't time the market.
1: You can't time the market. You got to own a basket of diversified low cost index funds, right? Um, That has, and those have outperformed dramatically. Um, The vast majority of funds. Well, there's no commissions in those funds. So, what are, the insur- what are the big insurance company and payroll companies do to sell 401k plans? Well, they select the crappy actively managed funds that underperform and are 10 times more expensive. Why? Because th- those fund companies are paying them what they call revenue sharing. Mm. So the, when you look at a 401k plan, you say, here's the menu of funds for you to choose from. That menu, there's thousands of funds. How'd they pick those 25 or 30? Well, it's, that's carefully crafted for that shelf space, right? Those are Those are the ones that are gonna make the, the you know make the company the most money. So we when we started out, we said, hey, well, we're not gonna accept kickbacks from mutual funds. Well once you do that, you can say, okay, well now I can actually say which ones are the best performing mm-hmm. and which ones are the lowest cost. Well naturally those are going to be the low cost index funds. Got it. So our lineup is all low cost index funds. Stand for. Um now here's here's a fun thing. The insurance companies have caught on to the index fund game a while ago because many people are starting to say, hey, wait a sec. How come I can't get access to index funds? Okay? We now, we're now seeing markups. So I'll give you an example. A lot of people look at their accounts and they go, hey, I've got Vanguard funds. I know Vanguard is a good provider of low-cost index funds. I've got Vanguard in my 401k. I must be in good shape. So we have an example. We have a couple examples that we always show where a, a company took a Vanguard fund that's 0.05%, okay, 0.05%. They're charging 1.65 percent for the same fund. Can you imagine? It's like a three thousand. the is three thousand percent markup, right? It's like buying a Honda Accord for twenty grand or 1.4 million, oh right? What, what, how much do you want to pay? Yeah. So this is the only industry where two neighbors can have effectively owned the same fund or the same securities and be paying such insane insanity as it comes to markups. So markups are a big problem now as it relates to index funds. So index funds aren't, you know, hmm. it's always. I, they say, "Oh, well, I just should invest in index funds." Well, you got to look for markups too. And by the way, most small business owners—they'll, you know what they tell you—they say, "You don't qualify. You don't qualify for index funds in your four hundred one k plan." And I—that's the translation—is we don't have enough money. We don't make enough money off you yet. Your plan's not big enough for us to offer you
0: low cost funds. So, so Josh, how does somebody really? I mean, let's talk about mindsets for a second because this is confusing. There's a lot of moving parts. So tell me right. how you guys, America's Best 401k, take the confusion out of this process. Because is it good enough to just say, I can't do the research and analysis. I can't figure it out. America's Best 401k, just take it from me. Just do it. And I trust you guys. I mean, I know that's a weird question, but is that really what you're saying? Well, no, I th- look. I think there's a couple different things. So I'll give
1: you an example. Um, and I think there's different audiences. So for example, I think the, the person who's with a major fortune 100 company, right? They, they already have a plan provider. You work for Coca-Cola or Southwest Airlines. Typically fortune 100 companies, fortune 500 companies are going to have pretty decent plans. Okay. And the reason I say that is because they're smart. They have lawyers, they hire consultants. They don't let brokers come in and schmooze them. Right. And they use their, their power and size to, to create, uh, you know, economies of scale and leverage leverage fees. Where we live is in the small plan market. So 95% of plans, I'm sorry, 90% of plans have less than 100 employees.
0: Yeah, that's my company. So that we we would be your client.
1: Exactly. And so those are the those are the ones where we have business owners who are ultimately the decision maker. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: that's who we have to get the ear of. Because not only are you a participant in the plan, most business owners don't understand that they actually have a fiduciary Obligation and liability with the Department of Labor.
0: Huge, because, huge uh, notation. Did not know huge. that.
1: Yeah, because you're now you're the plan sponsor. Got it. You made the decision to sponsor the plan. So now, so what are your obligations? Well, there's a lot of them, but the, one of the big ones is to make sure that the fees are prudent hmm. and reasonable. Mm-hmm. Well, in most plans, they're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. business owner says, "Oh, wow! Not only do I have a liability, but I, you know, I got money in the plan too. This is hurting me and my team and my family." So. I'm going to step up and, and uncover the fees. And of course, if they make the switch to us, we obviously would help them. But there's other great providers, too. It's not, I'm not pitching just us. There's other great providers that are out there, but there's very few in the small plan space.
0: Josh, we don't offer a 401k. We offer a, a tremendous comp plan and, and a great health insurance and that sort of stuff. But I don't offer 401k. If I offered a 401k as the employer, am I required to match? No, you're not required to match.
1: So there's all sorts of levers that you can pull. So as a business owner, if you decide to if you decide to match, what it means is there's some special rules, safe harbor rules, and other things that allow you to contribute more
0: mm-hmm. as the business owner. Mm-hmm.
1: So if it's if you, but you don't have to match if you don't want to. Got it. So there's there's other ways you can match where there's vesting and things to kind of handcuff your great employees. Um, but those are all customizations that you get to do. You know if you decide to set one up.
0: Any any data that tells us how many of the small businesses that offer four hundred one k's actually offer matching to. You know what? That's a
1: good question. I don't have that data on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it's a, a a much smaller number than the large companies. Yeah. Um, but look, as an, as unemployment falls, we have seen a, a, a huge pickup in new plants. People wanting to start a plan like yourself for the first time because you're now in a much more competitive totally. environment you Know to find great people
0: totally. We listen, they're going to be just... coming
1: from a place that has a great plan, and you walk in, they go, You don't have a 401k plan, yeah, of course. So, that you know, a lot of business owners are experiencing that exact same quandary that you're in right now.
0: We just went to paying a hundred percent of the health insurance premium for our operations uh, department. A hundred percent,
1: hey, congratulations, None. that's hugely. That's, that's fantastic and generous.
0: It is, and, and I'm not a big fan of it, but I felt like it was important from a company culture standpoint to support what we're doing here. But secondly, yeah. I wanted to make sure that we didn't lose anyone because now, even as a small company, they can go to GE Capital or Wells Fargo wherever they want, and now they're, they're, they're going in saying, oh, you guys only pay 50% of the premium? Well, heck, the other company was paying 100%, right? Yeah, so sure. It, it right? actually reversed yeah. the competitiveness for me a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. But, um, but I just think this is a really fascinating thing. Now, how many people, because in my book, I, I actually throw out some numbers of what I actually think people need in retirement, right? Okay. And even this number here, someone in their 60s at 172000 bucks. I mean, listen, man, none of it is the retirement that anybody thought. You busted your ass for 40 years. You ain't spending your summers in Tuscany. You're right not, You're not driving the, the RV around the country seeing the grandkids with 172 grand in the bank. you're just not doing it.
1: Uh, no doubt.
0: Does, does you, how do we get people to save more? Because I actually believe this BS about you know save 10 percent and you retire poor, 15 percent, middle class, 20 percent rich. I don't think those numbers are even close to right anymore. We yeah. need to save a lot more money.
1: Yep, and that would be a huge step up. If we could get 10, 15, or 20% out of every participant, <laughs> that would good. be fantastic. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, it really would be. I think the average is about 6% today. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was an interesting study done by a behavioral economist um, who called Save More Tomorrow. Um, we talk about it in the book. And what it, what they did was they went into a blue-collar environment, and these, these individuals said, there's no way we can save, we can't afford it, right? People who spend their whole paycheck. And they said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna just we're gonna start at three percent. Could you do three percent? And they said, you know, okay, we can do three. And they agreed to three. And they said, but here's what we're gonna do: every year going forward, we're gonna ratchet it up one percent, one percent. And within uh, by the end of the study, which I think took a little bit more than a decade, um, many of them had opted to even increase it more than one percent once they got the once they were kind of already had it you know, established, and they kind of tricked themselves into saving. And by the end, many were saving north of 15%. -hmm, mm -hmm. So people who started off saying, I can't do anything, Mm -hmm. you know, we're doing that as well. So you got to start somewhere. So if you're not saving at all and you feel like you can't afford it, at least start at 3%. Then every time you get a raise, keep ratcheting it up. Um, But you have to treat yourself. Look, if there was a a tax tomorrow, a new tax, instead of tax cuts, there was a tax hike, and the government came out with a new 10% tax. You and I, we'd bitch and complain, right? But we would pay it. We'd have to this is the way you have to treat your future self, right? As a tax on yourself. And you'll be so happy you did because once you, when you realize um, how you, when you start early, um, you'll be in such better shape, right? Yeah. So I have a, a really cool example that we used in the book that I can walk you through. It takes two seconds Let's here. Let's do it. So there's uh, two brothers, Joe and Bob. Okay. Joe decided to start saving $3,600 a year, 300 bucks a month, when he was 19 years old and by the, when he, and he stopped when he was 26. Okay. He stopped when he was 26. His brother, Bob said, I want to save $3,600, but he didn't get started at 19. He started after his brother stopped. So he started at age 27 and Bob kept contributing the 3,600 all the way until he was 65 years old. Joe went first, only contributed 3,600 from age 19 to 26 his brother started later at 27 and uh, contributed $3,600. They both got market returns of about 10%. Who do you think had more money?
0: Yeah, yeah. it was the yeah, first I'm, guy. I'm yeah. leading you, but it's right. the first guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
1: he only And he contributed much, much less money, but he got started earlier. He ended up with $1.8 million at age 65. And his total contribution was, I think that's like 27 grand. So I always say, look, any, any teenager can become a millionaire if they're smart oh, enough yeah. to start now. Yeah. Um uh, by contributing into the markets.
0: We're talking the same language here. I mean, I also have a secondary argument, though, that it's not just about allocating what you can. It's also about making more freaking money. I mm-hmm. mean, people need to make more money. That What they need to do when they make more money, and I give a lot of strategies in the book, is, though, they need to bury that money. They need to put it in a reserve account. They need to really start to max stuff out um, because at the end of the day even at 3%, 4%, 5% it's still not enough to move the needle in net worth. We got to visualize what the heck the future looks like for us and then we have to actually make the moves to earn more income to be able to reach those those visualization exercises. I mean, people are just we're selling ourselves way too short when it comes to our money situation, man.
1: Well, you can't work for you can't I, mean, I always say, you can't work for 30 years and make a hundred grand a year and put away 5% and then expect to live 30 years of <laughs> retirement on a, and have a hundred grand a year.
0: That's a simple math
1: problem, right? I mean, this is just, come on people, <laughs> common sense here. Uh, and you know, social security, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what your belief is, but I have, I have huge doubts that it's, that it's going to be there certainly in 15, 20 years. And when, when social security was created, it was created at a time when life expectancy was just a little after age 65. So Social Security wasn't tapped into for 10, 20, or 30 years by anybody.
0: I talk about it in my book, I'm grateful for Social Security because both my mother and my mother-in-law, for the most part, live on it. One oh, is sure. 980 bucks a month, and the other one's like 1600 bucks a month. And who do you think is left held, holding the supplementary, right? Oh, Me. yeah, of course. And I'm not alone. Lots of people my age, I'm 49. How old are you, Josh? Uh, 40.
1: I'll be 40 here next month.
0: Okay, so... Well, not in your situation, but in my situation, most people are going to be taking care of their parents. Mm-hmm. The, 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 even if your parent has 172000 bucks put aside, there's still a ton of stuff that their children are going to be responsible for if you want the parent in their life. Because that guy with 172000 bucks is scared to death. They are hoarding right. that money. They're not coming to see the kids play soccer on the weekends or enjoy every birthday. They're not traveling. They're, that's right. all they got. Yep. So if you're it's, absolutely
1: right. It's just, but making more money, to your point, is key, right? Because people say, oh, I have no time. Well, that's not true. I mean, look at how many times, how much time does people spend on Netflix and Facebook today, today's day and age? There's time. There's time to create a side hustle. There's time to create yep. something that, that will give you an opportunity to make more money.
0: My argument in the book, Josh, is people need to just simply understand this concept of value creation. How can you add value to the organization that creates ROI and then have the guts to go in and say, did you see what I produced last year? I want more, and when they say, "Well, we can't give it because HR," you got to have the guts to be able to leave, or I, I, if they, or if they give you five percent, you can say it ain't enough, man. I need fifteen percent, right. or I'm leaving. And in this environment, you will get that money.
1: Yeah, I agree. You're right. If you add value, value is the
0: key. It's the key. Most people literally do not understand how to add value in any situation. It's a, it's yeah. very very sad. I see it.
1: And uh, they ask the wrong question, right? They say, how do I make more money right. instead of how can I add more value? Mr.
0: I, people who come to my office and they say, what problem can I solve? I say, you're on the right track right now, right? Yeah, you just perfect. You just ask the right question. That's right. So Josh, thanks. I, I'm grateful for your time for this information. I think you guys are solving this massive problem. I'm a huge fan, by the way, of the business model because I look. we're in the equipment financing industry and we tackle Wells Fargo, large publicly traded banks who can't hustle like we do. But you guys are taking on this behemoth and let me ask you a quick question on a side note. Do you think that if it was Josh Robbins starting America's best 401k, that the big boys would have tried to shut you down more so than with the executive management team that you have in place right now? Do you follow what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so. And the reason why is because, um, they are not, they're not scared of us yet.
0: Oh, they, you know? okay. I love uh, that. That's the beautiful position right there. Yeah.
1: No, it's a perfect position yep. because here's the way I see it. Um, uh, you know, it, I'm sure you and I, you and I both remember going to Blockbuster Video on Friday nights and hoping to get there in time to, to make <laughs> sure there was enough copies behind that little cardboard. <laughs> you know, stack. I, I haven't right? thought
0: about that in a long right? time, but it's
1: and so nobody true. there had any vision for Netflix. Nobody there had any vision for Netflix. In fact, the CEO of Blockbuster turned down buying Netflix three times. The last time for fifty million dollars, he could have bought mm. Netflix. And why did he say no? He said they're not even on our radar for competition. That's yeah, his quote. Yeah. And he was a he was a former CEO of Seven Eleven, so he clearly has a brick and mortar mentality. So they don't see us coming, um, and I like it that way. Yep. Um, and they've got a model that's very hard to unwind.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they've mm-hmm.
1: got they've got brokers who are the distributors who want to get paid, um, and they've got fund companies that pay them tons of money every year. So to re-engineer their model is going to be really, 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 really tough.
0: Josh, so I an... like
1: where I like where we're sitting, and uh, you know. By the way, I wanted to add one more thing before we forget at the end here Shoot. is if someone on your if someone's listening and they want to kind of get an estimate, I, we kind of have a, a tool on our website at ShowMeTheFees
0: Yep.
1: Uh that allows people to go in and get a, an initial estimate. I kind of like you know Zillow gives you a estimate, mm-hmm. so this will give you an estimate of your fees, and then if you want to take it a step further, we'll, and you send us that fee disclosure document, um, we'll show you how to find it. We'll actually uncover your fees totally free of charge just so you can see how much you're really paying.
0: Okay, give me that website again, please.
1: Showmethefees.com.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Here's what's going to happen in your business. You know it better than I do. It's what you do every day. There's going to be an entire generation of people who just leapfrog over the current model and move to your model. They won't even, the idea that they, so here's what that means. The domino effect means that guy who's at, xyz big company in their 40s they're hosed man they have a 10-year window before their career is over and they're in their 50s and they probably need another 15 years to make up the gap of their shortfall because they got the big house and the kids in school and all that but their career is over
1: it's you know we gotta we all have to adapt right we all have to adapt and grow and you know you can look at it like uh uh the uber model Right. Same way. These taxi drivers got to adjust. They can't fight it. They got to adjust and figure out how to add more value or switch and start driving an Uber. I mean, there's going to be positions for everybody as long as people move to the not try to protect what they've got. Like you say, and, you know, help people, you know, just add ask the question to add more value. That's all we've done.
0: Stay with me one second on that, please. Just on that mindset for a second, because because the older I get and the more people I meet, the more that what you just said is construed by a lot of people as heartless as tough and what i find is there's no connection to that whatsoever it's just the reality of yeah. the way we live now you that's must right. take time to see where the ball is going to go that's right i think if you
1: take the if you take the heartless view what ends up happening is you, you embrace the victim mentality,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that's, that's what's dangerous because that doesn't lead for progress for anybody. Yeah. Um, and so, and it certainly doesn't support you in adding more value and creating, you know, how can I, how can I make this work for me? Start asking the right questions to help change your focus and lead you in the right direction. Yeah. So look, you know, and by the way, I'm, I'm no dummy. I know that just because I'm a disruptor, there's probably a disruptor right behind me.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I right? Love so that.
1: Yeah. let's always keep our eye on the ball oh, yeah. here that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that, like you said, I have to look where it's
0: going too. I love that. That's so yeah. good. It's so true. Josh, yeah. thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate it. I'm grateful for you. I wish you nothing but the greatest success. And I want people thanks, to buddy. go to America's Best 401k. Check it out. Appreciate it. I'll see you down the road, Josh. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you
1: need more money.